Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hello everyone, welcome back to Sleep Cues. It is Q&A Tuesday, so that means we are going to run through some of the top questions that I got this week, whether it was on Instagram or Facebook or in my inbox. We're going to go through some of the questions that you've sent to me that are just really on your mind, depending on your little one's age or what stage they're at, and just some things that are really causing some troubles to sleep or questions that have been on your mind that you know you're about to tackle with your little one and you want to be prepared for that. So, you know, as I always say, I love Q&A Tuesday because the questions that I get in my inbox, I get such common, similar questions. And that's a great thing because it means you don't have to feel alone. You know that other parents are going through the same things with their little one's sleep, and there are answers to those questions. And me answering these questions in Q&A Tuesday on the podcast can help not just the parent who asked the question, but so many other parents who are experiencing similar issues or challenges or questions about their little one's sleep. So always love Q&A Tuesday for that. So let's dive in. First question. Hi, Erin. I was just wondering what the most common reasons are for a baby taking a long time to fall asleep at night. It's been taking my little one about 30 minutes to fall asleep at night for the past week, used to be 10 to 15 minutes. So there are a few reasons why a baby might suddenly be taking longer than they used to to fall asleep, whether it's for a nap or for nighttime. First reason I will discuss is a regression. So a regression might be caused by a milestone. It might be caused by something like teething. So if your child is going through something particular right now, you might want to look at that and say, okay, maybe this is the reason that my child is suddenly taking a lot longer than they used to. Don't necessarily jump to conclusions like they need to drop a nap or I need to give them more awake time. You might want to look at what's going on in your child's life, in their environment, in their development right now that could be causing some more difficulties. So a regression might be if you know that your child has really been close to popping a new tooth and you see that over the last couple of days, the tooth is actually breaking through the surface. That's usually where the acute pain of teething happens. And so that might be causing some more disruption to your child's sleep. If you take a look at your child during their awake time and you see "Mm, he is really working on rolling like he's never done before, he is almost there, or you're nine-month-old is learning to pull up to stand and you see during his awake time that he's really working hard on that milestone or your 13-month-old is really starting to form words and work on a couple of new words and doing a lot of babbling in their crib when they're trying to fall asleep at nap time, that might be the milestone that they're working on. All of that to say, when that milestone passes, probably within a week or two, your child's sleep might go right back to normal. And so you don't want to necessarily jump to conclusions and make huge changes to their scheduling right away if you feel pretty strongly that they are working on a milestone because it's very likely that once that milestone or regression passes, their sleep will just go back to normal without making any changes to their schedule. So that is probably the first thing that you're going to want to look at. Also keep in mind, though, that it might be a good idea to look at what your child is doing in their crib when they are trying to fall asleep and what their temperament is like leading up to nap time and when they are in the crib. 
And that leads to my next couple of points about this. The other thing outside of a regression that might be going on if your child is taking a long time to fall asleep is either too much awake time before their nap and they're overtired or not enough awake time and you do need to look at bumping up their awake time and giving them a little more sleep pressure before their nap. And here's how you can determine that. If your child over the last week or two has been taking longer to fall asleep than they used to, but they are just babbling in their crib, they are rolling around, playing around, making noises, fairly happy, not discontent, they probably need more awake time. If your child's happy in the crib, babbling, taking a while to fall asleep, that's a good sign that they are ready for a little more awake time. If your child is going into the crib and is very grumpy while they are trying to fall asleep, if they are fussy leading up to nap time, if they are protesting in the crib and they're taking longer to fall asleep, that might be a sign that your child's overtired. And I see that often if a family has decided that their child should have more awake time, and now they see that their child is protesting more and taking more time to fall asleep at nap time. If that's happened, you might need to look at things and say, you know what, I think we bumped up awake time too soon. I think we started giving him more awake time before we should have. I think we need to scale back because he seems to be overtired at nap time. So, Could be a regression milestone that your child's going through. Could be that he needs some more awake time. He's old enough now that he needs more sleep pressure if he's just laying there babbling and rolling around in his crib for a while before he falls asleep. Or it could be that he is getting too much awake time before his nap and you need to scale back a little bit because he's overtired. And the signs of that would be that he's protesting more while he's taking a long time to fall asleep. So I hope that answers that question. The next one I pulled out is this. Hi, I don't really understand what you mean when you say a newborn going to bed for the night. Because in my experience with my newborn, the baby is constantly eating and sleeping around the clock, and it's not really possible to determine when my newborn's bedtime is. That's a great question. When is a newborn's bedtime? When they really only are ever awake for 45, 60 minutes at a time. They do tons of eating and sleeping. How do we determine what is day and what is night? And that's where I would suggest that you as parents want to take the decision about what nighttime is and create a routine that helps your baby's body clock understand that that is nighttime as well. So I would suggest that newborns generally go to bed for the night, go down for their bigger, longer chunk of sleep better if they go down around 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. So as parents with that knowledge, you can say, okay, I know that my baby gets tired after being awake for about an hour. So if my baby naps from 7 until 8 p.m., like say we go out in the evening and we go for a walk and the baby's in the carrier and she falls asleep around seven and she wakes up in the carrier around eight, or maybe we wake her up in the carrier around 8 p.m., we're going to say that bedtime is nine o'clock tonight. And to help our baby understand that that is not a nap and that is going to be a bigger, longer stretch of sleep overnight, we are going to do a little routine. So shortly after baby wakes up from that last nap, in the case of a newborn, we are going to just start that bedtime routine, which looks different than putting your baby down for a nap because we're going to do a little bath. A bath is a very good cue to any child that the bigger, longer sleep is about to come up because it's very different than anything else that happens in their day. So we'll do that bath. 
We'll put them in their pajamas and their swaddle or their sleep sack, depending on what you're using with your newborn. We will do a bedtime feed. Try to keep your baby awake on that feed. I know that's tough to do with a newborn, but if you can try to keep your baby awake, then you can sit them up and read a little story and sing a little song so that your baby is aware then that they're going into the crib. And now we've created this little bedtime routine that's different than nap time. And we create this really nice, dark, quiet sleep environment for them. And now their body clock, if we do that over and over and have that routine around the same time each night, their body clock starts to understand that that is the bigger, longer stretch of sleep. And of course, the other thing you can do to help with that is if your baby wakes up from that, what is supposed to be overnight sleep, an hour or two after you've put them down, you as the parents don't treat it like it was a nap. You treat it like it's still nighttime as well, which means you don't get your baby out of the crib and go into the living room and turn on the lights and the TV and sit down to do a feed and chat with your baby at 1030 at night. Instead, you keep your baby in their sleep space in your room or their room or wherever you have your baby. Keep it dark with minimal light. You do that feed. You pick your baby up out of the crib when they wake up at night. You change their diaper. You use minimal light to give them their feed. Don't be having a midnight chat or a bunch of playtime with your newborn in the middle of the night because this will confuse them and make them think that it was just a nap. And then after you've done that feed with the minimal light and the minimal interaction, you give your baby a kiss and put them back in their bassinet or crib in that same dark, quiet sleep space that they spend the night in. And that is going to help your baby settle back into sleep without thinking that that was just a nap and now we should be up to party for an hour. So that's how we can start to help our little one understand what bedtime is versus a nap time when they are a newborn. Next question that I pulled out is when I I talked about lovies this week on Instagram and I did a post about what you call your child's lovey because I find as a sleep consultant, of course, I hear the term lovey or stuffy so often and so many parents call it so many different things. A lovey is a transitional object. It's something that parents will sometimes give to their child to help them when they're transitioning to daycare and have that little comfort object from home. Sometimes when they're going through sleep coaching and they're going to be removing a pacifier or stop feeding or rocking to sleep and now parents want to give their child some other kind of comfort object. So we often refer to it as a comfort object or a transitional object. A lot of parents will refer to it as a lovey or a stuffy or a doo-doo. And so when I posted about that on Instagram this week, I got a lot of different answers about what we call that thing, that stuffy that your child sleeps with. The first thing I will say is that Health Canada and the AAP in the U.S. recommend that there be nothing in your child's crib under the age of one. But when your child is at the age where you're comfortable introducing a lovey, this question certainly applies, which is I've never introduced a lovey for sleeping. My daughter is now 15 months. If I want to introduce a lovey, how do I do it? Do I just put it in the crib and hope that she takes to it? So that's a great question. If you've gotten to the point where you do want to introduce a lovey to your child, you are comfortable introducing that comfort object to your child. First of all, you want to make sure it's something soft and safe. No bells or whistles or moving parts. I really love jelly cat animals. You can get them at lots of baby stores, um, you know, indigo chapters. And they are really usually just like a medium-sized, soft, safe little bunny 
or some other kind of animal, depending on what your child is interested in. There are frogs and zebras, and they're just a nice little manageable sized object that your child is able to find in the night and snuggle with. So that's a great option or just an example of what some parents might use. A lot of parents will also use a little animal head with a blankie attached when they decide to introduce a lovey to their child. But in terms of this question, how do you introduce it? If your child is this age and has never had one before, is there a a particular way that I would suggest introducing one. I suggest that you get your levy, you get a duplicate because it is very likely that your child is going to become attached to it. So you want one for the wash cycle or if it ever gets lost. And then you just start bringing the levy with you into the armchair or the glider when you are reading bedtime stories. You let your child hold it. You let it be part of the bedtime routine so that your child starts to associate it with sleeping. And now you, after you've done the snuggling and the reading and you put your child into the crib, now you do just put the levy into the crib with your child. If you're, you know, at this point, your child is old enough that you can start giving it a name and maybe your child is even going to say the name of the lovey. My own daughter's lovey was named Buster, but she couldn't really say that or didn't say it at the time when we introduced it. And so she started calling him Buzzy, even though I had named the bunny Buster. And then it just stuck. And she's eight now and she loves her bunny and she still calls him Buzzy, sometimes Buzz Buzz, but never Buster, what I named him. So she just decided when she was a toddler that that's what she was going to call him. And so your child might start calling it a name. They might not be very interested in it at first when you put it in the crib and that's okay. It's something new to them. It's not what they associate with comfort or sleep yet, but you are very likely to find that your child within a few days or so really starts to gravitate towards this comfort object and find comfort in it. And it's not something you should stress about in terms of a lot of parents will say to me, isn't that just like a pacifier? Won't my child have to have that in order to go to sleep? It's not like a pacifier in that the sucking of a pacifier is the motion of that is quite literally the thing that puts the child to sleep. And then if the pacifier is across the crib and your child can't find it in the night, you have to keep going and replacing it. Most children with a levy will find a lot of comfort in it, will really enjoy it, but they don't have to have it in order to sleep. They're not sucking on it. It's not that motion that puts them to sleep. It's just something that they cuddle and find comfort in while they are putting themselves to sleep. So that's the deal with introducing a levy, just kind of introducing it to the bedtime routine, snuggling with it during the routine, and then putting it into the crib with your child and letting them adjust and start to gravitate towards it. And then the next question that came out of that whole post about what do you call a levy and then questions that I subsequently got about levies was a good one. And it was such a popular question that I did sort of a poll on it and asked everyone to tell me their opinions because there are many. And it was, how do I keep my baby's levy from getting ruined in the wash? And I absolutely know what this parent or these parents who asked this question were talking about because Buzzy is now like seven years old and he is really pilly. Um, He's got a lot of pilling on him. He's very well loved and he's well worn and he is not the super soft bunny that he was when we first got him. Apparently there are ways to keep your stuffy softer longer. And so I got a number of answers, but the number one answer that I got to the question, how do I keep my baby's lovey from getting ruined in the wash was in a pillowcase on the gentle cycle. A number of parents told me this. They all swear by it. They all say it works. So if you are concerned about your baby's lovey getting pilled or just kind of roughed up too much and not being soft anymore, apparently the best way to try to avoid that is put it in a pillowcase 
on the gentle cycle and then I assume lay it flat to dry. I, I do believe some parents said to me that they just puff it up in the dryer a little bit after it's air dried. But that was the best answer that I got and the one that people were most confident in. So that's what you can do once you do decide to introduce a levy, if you decide to introduce a levy, to wash it and keep it hopefully softer longer. I think it's too late for Buzzy. He's seven years in, so we can't really do that now. He's just going to be pilled and it doesn't really matter. My daughter loves him just as much as she did on day one, even though he's a little roughed up at this point. And the final question that I pulled out for this week was this. Hey there, if baby's sleep environment is not very dark at daycare, should we take time to get him used to sleeping in a brighter space for the adjustment because he's going to daycare soon? My answer to that is no. You do not need to prep your baby to sleep on a cot in a bright room with a whole bunch of noise going on in order for him to be okay at daycare. Trying to get your baby to sleep on a cot instead of a crib at home, because when he goes to daycare in a few weeks, when he turns 12 months old or even 18 months old, he's going to have to sleep on a cot instead of in a crib for his naps at daycare or trying to leave the curtains wide open at home and getting your baby to learn to sleep where it's really bright, or trying to introduce a whole bunch of noise at nap time at home so that your child gets used to a whole bunch of noise that's going to be happening at daycare is unlikely to work for you, either in terms of having good sleep at home or getting your child quote unquote ready for the daycare transition. This is important. Daycare and home to your child is like apples and oranges. They don't treat it the same. And children will adjust to sleeping in a brighter, louder space on a cot at daycare. But if you try to introduce that at home, they probably will not adjust to it at home. There is literal peer pressure at daycare for your child to fall asleep. There are children around them going to sleep at the same time. An authority figure who is not their parent is telling them it is now time to lay quietly on your cot and go to sleep. They are much more likely to listen to that authority figure and not cause fuss about it, especially with all of those children going to sleep around them the same way than they are if their parents at home without any other children around them. They're just not likely to do that for you at home. And creating a really bright space, a loud space, a different space like a cot instead of their crib at home is likely just to cause you trouble at home. So I would definitely advise that you just let your child have their normal, dark, quiet, lovely sleep space at home. Know that yes, it is going to be an adjustment when they go to daycare. It's brighter, it's louder, it's a different sleep space, but they will adjust just like they're going to adjust to lots of other things at daycare. Your child is not going to eat exactly the same foods at daycare that you would cook for him at home. Your child is not going to play all of exactly the same games at daycare that you would play with him at home for better or for worse. You know, it's going to be a bit different and sleep is too, but your child is going to adjust and be able to transition from his home environment to his daycare environment and know that they are different spaces with different expectations It will take a little time, but your child will adjust. And there's no need to try to prep your child in advance of daycare with a different sleep environment at home. So I hope those answers were helpful for this week. I hope the people who asked the questions were able to tune in and hear all of those. And for those of you who had similar questions, I hope that that gives you some insight onto those different issues that you might be struggling with or wondering about right now with your baby's sleep. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company 
and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.